0: The CEO for Children's Resource and Referral of Santa Barbara County. I've been here for 12 years now serving our community in a variety of ways. We primarily are serving um, in capacity for child care as well as ensuring that families are connected to high quality child care within Santa Barbara County. Um, On a personal level, I have just written a book that I am quite proud of It's called Undefined, More Than the Sum of My Losses. And it is my journey as a birth mother from tragedy to triumph. It is a lifelong um, desire of mine to write this book. And the book definitely goes through a life of loss, but more importantly, the healing and forgiveness and love that has come through.
1: I love that so much. And I feel like as... People have read through the book, what I was seeing in response to your social media post about today was that it just brings so much love and light and positivity to situations that might be challenging to um, have that sort of grace and empathy for yourself or for the situations. Um, So I look forward to hearing more and and listening to your story. So thank you so much for coming on today.
0: Thank you. I appreciate um, being here. You know, I appreciate that you had said there's a trigger warning because um, it is hard for many people to hear my story and, you know, it's hard to talk about as well, but I do feel that being vulnerable and taking the risk of sharing um, tragedy helps people um, really get to walk through trauma and get to the other side, which is the most important, which is the healing. And so I will go ahead and share some of that. Um, I appreciate that trigger warning for those of you who um, may be triggered by hearing of sexual abuse um, and trauma. It is hard to hear about. I won't go into details that are, um, you know, graphic or anything like that. But I think it's important to know where I started and where we end. And so um, so basically to get started, I come from a small um, Christian family. We had a great upbringing mom and a dad and a younger brother. And we regularly attended our church and volunteered and really had a lot of stability in my life growing up. And I think that is key to my success in life, that the stability and foundation that I got in childhood carried me through so, so, through the traumatic um, times. When I was just 16, I got my first job at a fast food restaurant and um, I was only there a couple weeks when um, one night one of the manager's vehicle wouldn't start and um, I offered him a ride home thinking I was doing a good gesture and um, really in quite a lot of ignorance in my youth. Um, That night he uh, violently and sexually assaulted me. Um, I was shocked and Uh, Traumatized, obviously, by such a a violation of not just me physically, but a violation of trust and leadership and management Um, in an adult that I, uh, for my whole life, I looked up to adults and was told to honor and respect them. And so it really shook me kind of to my core of a violation that I never um, expected. Uh, Part of that was my naivety, but also um, that's the beauty of being raised in a healthy environment where you don't know that that, you know, perversion is out there in our world. But that night I decided that I wanted to make a decision that I didn't want to tell anybody. I wanted to protect my mom and dad. I wanted to really protect myself and just pretend it didn't happen. And so that worked for a little bit. Um, I got home, went to bed after a long and emotional shower and washed away what I hoped would be the memory of uh, that night. Um, A few weeks went by and um, I recognized that I had not started my period and I was not so naive that I didn't know what that could mean. Um, it was with um, a great denial <laughs> that I took a pregnancy test um, and didn't expect the results to be positive. Um, I still was holding back um, the information from people. I didn't want to tell. I was scared. I was embarrassed. I felt guilt and shame that somehow it was my fault, um, that somehow I did or said something that um, made that um, assault happen. Um, but eventually I decided I would um, begin to tell uh, people, starting with you know, my parents. Um, Very quickly, I decided that I would tell our church. And so there was a particular leader in our church who um, was like my youth leader. And I approached him and said, you know, I need to tell you what happened. And there's a lot of shame and guilt, but I know that, you know, I want to heal. And I know that I um, need to move forward and, and I'm pregnant and I need to like have guidance and help. Well, in this moment of my own vulnerability and transparency with this leader, um, he too took advantage of me and he raped me uh, while I was about two months pregnant. So I went from this strong, confident, young, naive, sheltered girl to in just two months um, being exposed to a world that I never knew uh, could be so uh, violent and perverse, my um, my initial reaction was just to withdraw, and I and I turned inward to myself. Um, but I still had foundation, and I think that was key to ongoing um, to you know like being able to keep moving forward. In the months that followed, my pregnancy continued. And, um, and I began separating those men, that vicious um, acts that happened to me, separating them from the reality of this child growing inside of me. And I was able to do that so completely that in just a very short time, I fell deeply in love with the baby growing inside of me. As the pregnancy continued, I found out I was having a girl and I fell so in love with this little girl growing inside of me that um, I wanted to give her the world. And I recognized even at 16 years old um, and probably because I couldn't even protect myself from those two um, crimes that happened against me I recognized that I wasn't quite ready to be able to protect her and give her the life she deserved. And so through that um, realization, I chose adoption. And I'd like to quickly read one. This is my book. I love my book. Um, read My Goodbye, which I think was, is really powerful. Um, and so I'm in the hospital and I'm holding her having just given birth. I had to say it now, I'd been avoiding it, trying to make each second with Sarah a happy, blessed one. But the time had finally come. I dreaded this moment for months, denied its eventuality, and done everything I could to not think about it. I had to say goodbye. I held Sarah knowing it'd be the last time, at least for now. I couldn't stop thinking that she was more beautiful than anything in my wildest dreams. Tears I thought had finally dried up, poured down my cheeks. She would not remember, but I would never forget. I said, the past nine months we've been together have been the hardest but most rewarding time of my life. I've never been ashamed or embarrassed about carrying you. You have been my life and my happiness. If I didn't love you so very, very much, I would keep you for myself. It would be an honor to continue to be your mom, but I want you to have it all, a mom and a dad, maybe brothers and sisters, a stable environment. Everything I can't give you now. Today you will meet the new parents that God has sent us. They will love and protect you the way I wish I could. I've chosen them with care. I've done all that I've been called to do as your mother. This moment may be our last, so I'll say goodnight, goodbye. Not goodbye forever, just until you've grown and can understand. I still get emotional um, with that, Um, and so I said goodbye, and um, and my life would then continue. Um, The years that followed, um, many things happened, but I will focus simply on the adoption side, being that we have a short time today. Um, but I, um, I wanted her to be proud of me. I wanted to live a life that one day if she chose to meet me, um, she would be proud of the birth mom that had given her life. So I went to college. I, um, I got married. I had children. I lived this life that every decision I made was with this hope that, it would be something that she could look at and just think, wow, okay, like I wasn't raised by her, but had I been, it wouldn't have been the worst scenario. I just wanted her to look at me and think that she could be proud of the the young woman and then woman that I became. The first year of the adoption went great. I got open, it was an open adoption. So I got pictures and letters. Um, regularly, every month, actually, and that brought me a lot of healing and a lot of um, joy. Um, After the first year, um, I was suddenly told that I would only be getting one a year, one picture and one letter. Um, That was a bit of a hit for me because those were kind of a lifeline during that first year that was um, extremely... um, Emotional and I fought a lot of depression in that first year. Um, So I was saddened by that, but each time I took a loss, I found that I would um, continue to fight for my own healing and my own um, stability. Um, When Sarah was just 18 months old, uh, tragedy really struck. Um, She was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and it's called cystic fibrosis. Her life expectancy was 13 years old. And everything that I had hoped for in my adoption kind of came crashing down, not just with obviously her life, but my hope to reunite with her, you know, as a young adult or in time. And, um, and so her health was on the line, her life was on the line and, um, and my dreams were, were shattered both for her and for myself. Um, when she was eight years old, um, suddenly and without warning her parents um, decided that they wanted no more contact. This meant that all my letters, the once a year and pictures were gone. And for the next um, 10 years, it was silent. I didn't know if she was alive. I didn't know um, her health updates. Um, I didn't know what she looked like. So the last image I saw, she was eight. And, um, and so she went through teenager, um, puberty, all the things, and I just didn't know what she would look like. And when she finally uh, turned 18, I pleaded with the agency to get me any information. Um, I feared the worst that maybe she wasn't even, um, Alive anymore. Sorry. Um, But I hoped that they would have updated me if if it were something that tragic. Um, I was so excited when I received a picture of this 18 year old beautiful girl uh, who had, you know, beaten the odds at that point and lived through her teenage years. Um, I was told she wasn't ready to meet me, but that in time, if she was, that they would reach out. So another um, eight years of silence um, continued. When she was 26 years old, all on her own, um, I guess she was in her office one day and someone had found a picture and set it on her desk and said, this person must be your birth mom because she looks exactly like you. And when she saw my picture, she instantly just knew she wanted to meet me. And, um, and she found me. And ironically, she found me on social media. Um, and, um, and so she was 26 years old. This was five years ago. And in the time since that beautiful, beautiful reunion with my birth daughter, um, we have grown so close. I'm not her mom, I'm not her aunt. It's a weird relationship. People ask, you know, is it like you're a big sister? Is it like, you know, what is it? And it's it's like I'm her birth mom. (laughs) There's just no other words to describe that unique role. And we have a beautiful uh, relationship. She actually uh, wrote in my book as well. She did an afterward in the back of the book to kind of write her perspective of the story. And today her health, um, she's 31. Her health is very good. I mean, she lives with a terminal illness. That's never um, gonna change, but they've come a long way with that um, particular, Uh, disease and um, two months ago she had a son and I became a grandma (laughs) and I met him for the first time just a couple weeks ago. If you go on my Facebook you could see the pictures of this beautiful reunion um, when I met him and it's just the culmination of a tragedy that, that started, you know, at 16, but a decision to not let that tragedy define who I wanted to be and who I would, would be for the rest of my life. And so that's in short <laughs> the full story. Of course, I, I did write that, but um, that's in short and I would be happy to open it up for any sort of conversation.
1: Thank you so much for sharing. Um, man, just like you were saying, so so many events that um, completely changed how you saw the world. Um, growing up in, in a stable environment and just not even having a clue about how grotesque some things in the world really can be and to be exposed to so much of that so young and so quickly. Um, but for myself, it was truly amazing to see um, or to hear you read your goodbye letter to Sarah. And did you actually, is that kind of you going back and rewriting that, or was that um, written in some parts when you were actually saying goodbye? Yeah, I
0: kept a journal back then. And okay. so a lot of my book came directly from that 16 um, year old version of myself, because, you know, I don't think the same now, yeah. the way I thought then. And so even in writing the book, there was parts that I was like, oh gosh, why do I have to say that I felt that or thought that? Cause it's so juvenile, but yeah. if, it wouldn't be authentic if it wasn't. So yeah. you do see me grow up, you yes, know? And um...
1: <laughs> To know that that was you at 16 that wrote that and shared that is just amazing. Um, so powerful to love, hormones, um, to love so fiercely and to be able to let go. So thank you for sharing that and um, just truly remarkable. And um, I'm gonna cut out there. Um, If anyone else has any uh, questions, comments, anything, uh, feel free to unmute yourself and share. I have a question. Um,
2: so my situation is sort of the reverse of yours. Um, and I've always wondered what is like the terminology and I've tried explaining like what you were saying with birth mom. And I'm curious on what your, your I guess, birth daughter, what is like the terminology that she might be comfortable using and, and what might your family, you know, how do, they, how do they discuss that? You said you have children. Um, do they call her like their birth sister or, or things like that? Because I've personally struggled with understanding the language to make it, um, you know, identified.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great question. And, you know, even now we continue to navigate this because there's this new grandbaby. Right. And so am I a grandma? Am I the cool aunt? Am I, who am I? Um, So my birth daughter calls me Michelle. And that feels right. Um, she actually calls so I have five children um, of my own that I've raised. Um, she calls them uh, siblings. So she calls my daughter's aunt for her son. She calls the boys uncle. goal. Um, she even calls my mom Grammy. So everyone kind of has in our situation has gotten the title except me. <laughs> I didn't get like mom but that's okay because the reality is my desire was for to her to have a mom that she calls mom and I don't want to take that from her mom and so you know I'm Michelle and I'm birth mom. And sometimes if she doesn't want to go into the whole story, I'm her friend. And then everyone looks very strangely at us because we look so much alike and they're going, hmm. <laughs> um, but um, often when, if anyone knows she's adopted and we walk in a room, they know exactly who I am. <laughs> you know, I went to the baby shower um, just a couple months ago and it was a very slippery slope. Her mom was there um, who, I've never been in an environment with her. So this is all new to us. Um, her aunts were there and it was like, and I was there. <laughs> it was just so interesting. Uh, but I always respect who they are in her life. And I, I'm honored to be called anything. <laughs> I'm just so happy to be involved. I, I told her, you could say I'm whoever you want. If I'm there, I've gotten all I wanted. I'm just part of it. It's going to just have to be unique, I guess, it's, you know, it's unique because I'd be willing to be anything, uh, you know, I'd be willing for her to call me anything. Now with this, the grandson, she said I could be grandma, so I'm grandma, <laughs> so.
3: Thank you so much for sharing, Michelle, as I fight back tears myself. Um, It just, from like the nursing perspective in labor and delivery, um, it just, it took a while to understand that it's not just mom and dad. There's not just ever going to, there's not that scenario. There's so many different scenarios and so many unique stories to walk around in the language we use and just that passion behind trauma-informed care because you don't know who or their story behind bringing a child whether through a job adoption for um you know Sarah's parents who raised her um that whole spectrum and 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 for you um in the hospital assuming that that's where you gave birth um so any feedback or thoughts on um professionals taking care of of families of of, of people yes
0: i love this question so much i didn't go deep into it in the book i did touch on it but i love this question because um now it's been 31 years right and so we hope we've come further we hope we're better but I will tell you that 31 years ago, I was told we had come so far already. So when I was in the hospital, um, everyone kind of knew my plan that I would be having the baby and placing for adoption. Um, but um, several things happened that that were so horrible. Um, one, um, the nurses, um, decided not to give me and, and told me such, they decided not to give me the, a shot that could have helped dry up my milk supply. There was something they could have given me. Um, I'm not familiar with what that would be, but they said, we're not giving that to you because you should feel the pain that a mother goes through. And like, they were so hard on me. They were like, you chose to get pregnant and here you are, you're going to go through all of it literally said that to me. Um, Another thing they did was um, they brought in another girl into my room who had her baby. And, um, And throughout the middle of the night, her baby would, you know, be in our room and wake up and cry. And the nurse actually came in and said, one of their nurses said, oh, would you like me to bring your baby? Oh, wait, you already gave your baby away. And like was so horrible. Um, just like heart-wrenching. Um, another thing that I do talk about in the book is how much they didn't bring me the baby when she and I were still in the hospital together. My goal was to have her as much as I could. I knew this was my only time with her. And I would, um, they took her into the nursery and I would say, please bring me the baby back. And and they would um, repeatedly make excuses. Oh, she's being fed or she's in a bath or she's whatever. And they just, they stole so many moments. And um, I, I really, really struggled with how unprofessional people were. And maybe the worst thing that happened was um, one evening um, a doctor came in and um, He said, um, oh, where's your baby? And I said, oh, I actually chose adoption. She left this this evening with her parents. And he said, oh, so you don't even know if she's dead on the side of a road, being sexually abused. You don't know anything. You just gave her away to some complete stranger." And I was like, I mean, (laughs) it was just disgusting. I think it could have been so good I think those nurses had such an opportunity to nurture me and help me and support me and I didn't get any of it not anything in fact when she was delivered I reached my arms out to hold her and um and the nurse intercepted she's like Oh, I'll take her. I could do it. And it was like, no, no, like she's my baby. Let me hold her. And then they repeatedly let me know, like, no, she's not your baby. You've already decided that. And it was just, it was terrible. So advice, you know, know the plan, know the birth mom's desires, you know, try to follow that and then be flexible if it changes because in that moment, you know, I know many birth moms who, like, didn't want to hold their baby at all. And then the minute she or he was born, they're like, no, 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 I need this baby, you know. And so being flexible with that and not, you know, stringent on however it was originally planned. I'm also curious
2: to know um, what type of mental health services or or postpartum things from professionals or otherwise were offered or, or you were aware of, or, or even used after, um, birth with your daughter?
0: Um, you know, again, there 31 years ago, there wasn't a lot. We didn't even understand trauma the way we understand trauma today. Um, the adoption agency that I used, um, they were three hours away from where I lived, and they basically said that there was nothing available for me through them. Um, my church, I didn't trust anymore. Um, I, there, I didn't have anything. I mean, that's the truth. Um, what brought me healing um, was my own desire to find it, and so through through years of um, of research. I got help. I went and, you know, I got my master's degree in psychology and stuff. So like I, I sought and found important mentors, people, counselors, teachers, and brought them into my own life rather than going out and, you know, seeking like professional um, counseling in that other, in that way. Um, But, you know, years later, I mean, now I do counseling and I, support people in those same way, you know, in those ways. So I believe in it all. It just wasn't an offering back then. And, and what was offered was um, unreliable and um, untrustworthy.
1: Um, Michelle, so when you went on to give birth to remind me your eldest the 29-year-old is a daughter or a son? Mm-hmm. Son. son. Yeah. Uh, when you went on to give birth to your son, um, can you just kind of walk us through that as being your first experience back in the hospital for birth after all of the trauma and um, interactions with these nurses and doctors? What was that like for you um, being back in that space?
0: Yeah, you know, um, I've been asked that before like did i have triggers or did it trigger anything for me you know i think i just went in with such in such a different space of um i it was only two years later and um i, I do talk about um kind of my my own uh, search for s- stability if you will um through those first two years after sarah's birth i did not do well or make good choices I um, didn't live a life that I was very proud of, frankly, um, but um, found myself pregnant again, just, t- just two years later giving birth. So like a year and three months later, I was pregnant again after having Sarah. I think this is very common with, um, with young teens who have children so young and often with those who choose adoption. Um, and so for myself, I've pretty much recognized through my own assessments and um, counseling through the years that, um, you know, I I needed to be a mom, whether that was um, the best or not. I needed it. And I was a better person being a mom. So so I became a mom at 18. And when I went to the hospital, I went with so much pride and and um, so confident in my decision to parent and so sure that I was making the right choice for myself. Um, that um, even the nurses and doctors at that time were um, almost surprised at my maturity, but you know, at that point. But I think, you know, they didn't know the whole story. They were different. It was a different hospital. But they were surprised at my maturity, my confidence, my my willingness to be a parent. But man, I've never looked back, you know, like, do I think 18 is young to be a parent? Of course, it's young to be a parent, you know, of course it is. Um, I was a parent at 18 and then again at 20. And by the age of 23, I had had four children, right? Three I was raising and four children. So yeah, it was young, but, you know, I did my absolute best. And frankly, I was born to be a mom. I mean, that's who I am. (laughs) I just love being a mom. And um, and then years later, I, um, I I was I was sharing this morning, I had my tubes tied, thought I was done and then I wasn't done. I knew I needed more. And so I reversed my tubal and had two more children. So um, so I currently have an 11 year old and a 13 year old at home and the others are all adults and, and have moved out and they haven't moved far. They literally live in my backyard. We have built these tiny little houses. And so my children live in my backyard. I know, crazy.
1: (laughs) I love that. that. Um, And you know, you had said uh, when you were sharing with us about um, Sarah's diagnosis of cystic fibrosis. that it was a terminal disease and immediately all I could think back to was our conversation we had earlier this morning about the 3% success uh, chance you had of the tubal uh, Mm -hmm. uh, reversal. Mm -hmm. And immediately I just started smiling because it was like, not only are you this woman who has overcome so much and um, able to have two successful pregnancies and raise these babies with a 3% chance of doing so, but for your daughter to have made it to 31 years old um, just amazing and um, you know really a a testimony to the strength that you passed on to her Um, so beautiful and and, I love that yeah
0: yeah Yeah, she's amazing. She has to do her breathing treatments, you know, several times a day, Um, but she doesn't have to live yet with oxygen regularly. Like she just does her treatments, but um, you know, but we, and she hasn't needed like lung transplants or any of those things Um, as of yet. Her health is, is very good for a person with cystic fibrosis. And um, if you see her, you know, you don't see any signs of her illness um uh, again if you want to see pictures i have i don't know if you can see this picture i just love her little face let can
1: you see us i don't know not yeah, very well but that's older. her and I. i'll see if i can grab it and share it in our email <laughs>
0: um, but um she's beautiful and healthy and like i said just gave birth to a beautiful baby boy and um and so far is doing really well with her diagnosis you know we don't know what the future holds Oh, I do have a special little story. When I met her mom for the first time, which was very recent, like first time since the adoption, you know, 31 years ago. Um, and she, she saw my book and I don't know how she saw it, whether Sarah, Sarah shared it or she found, I don't know, but she read the book and she was um, uh, very touched by it. She did not know I was raped when I got pregnant with Sarah. Sarah never knew that part of the story until now as an adult. And I'm pleased with that because it didn't um, define her in any way. She never thought of herself as a product of something ugly, and, you know, of rape. And so she's had this great solid foundation just much like I had growing up. And so learning this a fact about her conception has not changed her identity and has not changed who she believes and knows she is. And her confidence is beautiful. Um, When I met her mom for the first time, she and I just, you know, held each other. And we had such a sweet mom moment, you know, like the two moms, you know. And it was just such an amazing time. We, We actually just went to Starbucks and sat down at a table and I leaned over and touched her arm and I said, just think that table next to us, they have no idea what a powerful moment we're having, like meeting each other for the first time and like just in the middle of a Starbucks, you know, and it was so big and yet like so simple, you know? And it was just like, oh, it was just amazing. So we um, have embraced each other. I think that there's, know a lot of insecurities uh, for her with me and i get that and i understand that um that comes from the way the adoption was set up for so many years um so back to uh sabrina your question on like professionals you know it's it's from the beginning how we set these things up how we communicate how we set up our um expectations that sets the standard and the the Trajectory really of of everything moving forward, and so unfortunately, the adoptive parents kind of went in with a lot of insecurity and fear. Um, I went in with all this hope and expectancy, and so I was let down because I wanted more. They were overcome with me wanting more, and so setting that earlier on and having everyone really understand expectation would have been really important. And it wasn't done well by the adoption agency. So I'm all about, you know, the professionals involved really doing a good job and trying to communicate well with all parties um, to make sure, you know, everyone's getting what they need to be healthy and well and have a successful um, journey through the adoption
1: process.
2: I had one quick question. I know we're really low on time, but where can we find your book, or is it somewhere, or we just reach out to you? I would. I'm so interested in reading it. And I haven't read it yet, so where would I? Where would I find that?
0: Thank you so much. It's on Amazon, um, and it's okay. called um, "Undefined: More Than the Sum of My Losses." Um, it's a birth mom's journey from tragedy to triumph. So, Michelle Lee Graham, you'll find it or "Undefined." You know, um. It's pretty amazing. I wrote this book as for my own healing. I wrote it as a legacy for my birth daughter and really nothing more. That was my goal, whether nobody ever read it or not. It was was something I was committed to doing. Um, Ironically, I found a letter I had written to the adoptive parents when she was just a year old. And when she was a year old, I said, one day I'll write a book about this story. And 31 years later, you know, I wrote, I wrote the book, but, um, but it was for her and it was for her to be able to know the love that I had from her from the very, very beginning of her life that never went away in all those years of silence and in all those years of her growing up and me growing up. Um, I never expected for her to be able to write it with me. I mean, what a, what an amazing gift that is. So she's got Um, and afterward in the back. Um, But what was really crazy is it went on Amazon and in three days it became um, a number one bestseller on Amazon. I was like, whoa. So that was really phenomenal um, and unexpected and, you know, not necessary, but what a blessing, you know, and for the more more people to hear and to be inspired and to bring healing and hope, Um, is really you know for me where it's at it's like I I like to say um, uh, hope is a funny thing because without hope we don't grow but hope comes with risk because if you hope for something it may never happen and so I hoped forever to meet my birth daughter but it was a risk because my heart could have been pretty broken I was willing to take the risk for love
1: Wow, so beautiful, Michelle, and again, just you are a powerhouse of a woman, and we so appreciate your time this morning, and being so vulnerable with us, um, and brave in this space. Um, As we were talking this morning, um, Michelle was sharing about, you know, she loves the fact that she put her book out, and that it was nice to be able to put it out in that forum, Um, but she knew today was going to be a bit more vulnerable for her, so thank you to all of you that joined us, or that will be watching um, later for helping to create this space for Michelle to share her story. Um, And again, just thank you so much for for being here today. Um, I'll be sure to link the book and um, the photo of you and Sarah and um, some other resources that Michelle shared with me for our local community in our email blast that will be going out um, a bit later today. So thank you again so much for your time.
0: Thank you, you guys. It was so fun. I appreciate you. Thank
1: you, Michelle. All right. You all have a fabulous day, and I look forward to connecting with you again on our future Coffee Connections, um, and be looking for the update um, email with all of the links. Thank you.